welcome to TestSphere Roulette, the podcast where my panel guests could be asked to discuss any testing topic decided by randomly selected TestSphere cards. I'm your host, Simon Pryor. Let's talk testing. Welcome to episode three of the TestSphere Roulette podcast. Uh, this is a podcast where my guests will have no idea which topics we're going to talk about within the testing world, and they're all based on the TestSphere card deck. And that's all 160 cards, including the expansion pack. So there's lots of options for topics. Um, I have two guests with me tonight. Um, my first guest is Emna. Emna, would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, Simon. Thank you for uh, having me. Uh, I'm Emna Ayadi. I've been in testing for more than five years on different projects combined between testing and coaching roles. And I'm so excited with my new challenge. I'll start a new adventure in less than two months. I'll move to France at Sojeti. So excited to start my new role as testing consultant. And let me tell you something interesting about me. I love traveling and adventure, and I went to 10 countries until now. I love taking challenge and put myself out of my comfort zone. And that's why you're here on this podcast, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thanks, Emna. Uh, David. Thank you, Simon. <laughs> Hi, Simon. Yes, thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, yeah, so I'm David Maynard. Uh, I've been in testing for probably about 15 years. I sort of fell into it from uh, a different background of teaching and various other things. Um, but uh, I've been in my current role for seven years um, and at Cambridge Consultants and um, I've been a test manager for them for the past four um, and like the challenges of uh, testing. Uh, my interesting fact is the fact that I'm a, a world record holder as part of the other about 36,000 people that ran last year's London Marathon because it was the it was the largest virtual marathon in the world ever. So, um, yeah. Excellent. And well done for persevering with that. I remember you doing your training and it, 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 was, it was quite tough work, I remember. So, yeah. yeah. Good work. Awesome. So, yeah, just a bit about the uh, format then. I'm will in a second. I will spin the wheel, and uh, I will get a randomly selected card, and then it will basically be open to discuss whatever you feel you fancy related to that card. It might be on experience. It might be your thoughts around the idea, etc., uh, etc. Et so, if you're ready, then we can spin the wheel for the first time. Are we all good? Yep. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to spin the wheel. Okay, the first card we have is an orange card, Patterns, uh, and it's Gambler's Fallacy. The human tendency to perceive meaningful patterns within random data. So teams may create test cases for each bug without thinking twice and then spend a lot of time testing this. In a few years' time, someone will ask, why are we testing these obscure things? What are your thoughts on that? Any, any thoughts come to mind straight away? I think it's quite a common thing, actually. I think that sometimes, um, as in any project, we can often get caught up in the sort of thought processes of testing particular things and thinking of, 
unique scenarios. Um, and so therefore, as part of that, we can, you know, unless someone has an overall idea or does take that step back, you can get caught up in the, well, we've always done it this way. We've always done this particular thing. And then, and, and actually, sometimes it, it's helpful to have new people on a project because then you can recognize that they can question and go, why exactly are you doing that? And it t- gives you that opportunity to go to justify exactly what's actually happening or to then reassess it and then take it forward. So sometimes we can get caught up in in the sort of motions of doing it just because we've always done it that way. Um, but likewise, sometimes we need to think of the bigger picture to, to include things that we may well have missed in the past. Yeah, absolutely. As uh, David said, uh, the human factor is uh, important. And sometimes we find people uh, cannot accept the change that we propose to them. For example, if they are used to uh, standard testing without using design patterns or uh, without using uh, BDD, it's maybe hard to introduce change to them. They want to stay uh, focused on what they know. One time I proposed BDD to them and it wasn't trivial. I felt like uh, some of them um, are afraid of this change and couldn't make it. So uh, I tried to use some examples to facilitate it to them. And step by step, I see that uh, people are coming to the new challenge. Yeah, I think it definitely is one of those situations where a lot of people get set in their ways and we've always tested it this way. These are the tests we've always run. There's no reason why we should change this. And I've been in a situation where uh, there's been a project that's been tested. It's released every year on a yearly cadence and you get five, six years down the line and you do start having those questions of why are we testing this particular edge case? And you look back and, oh, there was a bug five years ago that caused a bit of an issue in production that they wrote a test to cover off and then they've been running it ever since just in case it ever breaks again. And I think there is that need to look at the review process of what are we actually testing here? How can we ensure we're testing the right things? Um, So, yeah, have you any thoughts on that? Have you ever had any experience of identifying scenarios that were or bugs that are still being tested against five, ten years later? Yeah, well, I don't necessarily have an example, but I I can understand exactly what you're saying is that sometimes you do create those uh, bugs for that one, you know, the real edge cases because you've seen it out there and you just continue to run it and and actually uh, uh, because you see it as a regression Mm. test. But actually, it's not really a regression test because it's only seen been seen that one time and it was so unique that we that you've covered it. And, you know, and it would be covered by other tests. So you're almost extending the the regression test suite by time and and actually maintaining a test, which isn't actually necessary. So it's sort of it's technical debt in a different way in that you've got too much uh, tech in there rather than um, rather than not enough or obsolete. Yeah, I would agree. Emna, any thoughts? 
the problem with bugs, uh, you can find the backlog that uh, has a lot of bugs, but uh, the priority in the project uh, don't allow us to... Um, and take one by one. Uh, Sometimes the project managers stay focused only with uh, critical bugs and we ignore the others. But uh, from our tester uh, perspective, we spend time uh, finding them. So it's a bit frustrating when uh, our findings are not uh, recognized. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would say one example uh, that I've found before um, is with especially with browsers you know you can find times when a test has been uh, written for a particular browser and things move so fast in browsers that actually it isn't necessarily relevant that functionality you know it may pass but it doesn't it isn't a major part of it of that browser at the time and so therefore you're still doing it because because you did yeah i think browsers is a very very good example actually of of how like you say how fast things move and especially with some of the modern browsers that update themselves as well so you know you, you yeah. suddenly realize that that test was done against chrome version 10 and it's now on chrome version 60 something and you're like well is it even still the same browser it's comparing apples and oranges almost um yeah it's a, it's a good good fit point and that's where i think um, some level of review needs to happen regularly Definitely. Yeah, and also for uh, mobile, it's not the same with Android and iOS. It could be uh, the same problem with browser as well in mobile. Absolutely. Or when uh, yeah. the version uh, get up upgraded, maybe uh, <laughs> some test will fail and you will discover a lot of magic there. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So one, one other example that's mentioned on the card um, is... Your app is designed to target users between 25 and 35 years old. Afterwards, your 1,521 users older than 65 were very loud in their App Store ratings. So although that's only a 0.25% of the actual user base, because it was aimed at 35, 25 to 35s, the App Store reviews were all from their older generation. Now, obviously, that then has an impact on your testing in some respects, because you're going to focus purely on the the 25 to 35 age range probably so is there a is there a gamble there that you're taking it is and i think it's uh, it's part of the sort of testers thing to actually recognize that and to question it and it's the sort of communication um as long as we communicate it with the stakeholders that make the decisions then ultimately it is up is it up to them to decide and not us potentially as gatekeepers um, to decide exactly what the test scope is um, because they might know they, they might know something that we don't in terms of the, the demographic. Uh, not sure if it's uh, very related, but uh, talking about persona, we can imagine uh, testing from different perspectives to uh, get more cases and uh, think of the app from different angles. Maybe uh, if we put ourselves in the place of a child, we cannot uh, have the same perspective as uh, from um, someone with dis disabilities or normal person. No, I totally agree. App personas are a big part of, of our testing to focus mm -hmm. on on making sure we cover those those other areas. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, an example from from one of my previous roles was the persona of an old elderly person who was very very slow in their movements or someone with very, very, very um, yeah. weak motor, motor 
big motor gross motor skills um and taking their time to click through the pages um some websites aren't set up for that and they'll start timing out if you're not clicking quick enough and and that can really put some level of users off so it's definitely a and that may be why reviews are are happening that are quite negative from the the elder older population because the app doesn't work for them absolutely so absolutely agree personas for younger uh in Eventbrite format, for example, you can find the counter and you cannot reach it as it's so fast and people are taking tickets yeah, absolutely. <laughs> at yeah. speed. Yeah, it always feels like a panic yeah. when you try to buy tickets for something, doesn't it? <laughs> Definitely. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Any further thoughts on that card before we move on to the next one? Not for me. Let's move to the next one. All right. I'm spinning the wheel again. Okay, and the card it's stopped on is a red card. So this is a card from the expansion pack. Um, it, the category is dealing with change, and it's continuous delivery. Deliver software often. Your pipeline enables you to deliver to production frequently with minimal risk. Try, fail, learn, and adapt quicker and in a more controlled manner. Whether you deliver constantly, quality needs to be there from the start. Conversations happen sooner. Doubts are tackled from the start. So this is quite a big discussion point at the moment uh, and certainly in my world and it's probably in in both of yours as well is how we can deliver faster how can we can deliver more regularly what's the risk how can we move stuff left so what are your thoughts and experiences on this um we can enable uh, not for example continuous testing and from the perspective how pairing with the developer could uh, help us so instead of uh, working independently testing and the developer when pairing together uh, we can shift the test as soon as possible and even testing for example the requirement uh, at the beginning using example mapping or other uh, techniques to have that shared understanding between the whole team that could extremely uh, increase the quality and we build the quality into the product and not just uh, look at the end and fix it so this could be implemented and that could improve the delivery uh, make it faster yeah i think that's a very good point i would also say that i think one of the things that um, we do is is the dashboard it's the you know having immediate feedback that any changes put into um into production or into the in being put into the into it has not broken anything so you can run smoke tests you can run quick tests to, to see it and then you can run the longer tests and it's very quick to see whether a change that has been made has broken the whole system so that that immediate feedback is vitally important um as well to to be able to make those cha- challenges uh, and to recognize how changes have been made it's one of those things where uh, if you if you're move, if you're moving to a point where you're releasing far more often how does that change your test approach how do you then do all the activities you were doing previously but in a shorter time frame or is it a staggered time frame do you have multiple moving point parts that are enabling you to do multiple releases how how do we change the way we test that in that scenario um, when we automate a lot of things uh, we can focus uh, our test on exploratory testing and we try to make our finding more effective as um, the other tests that we can automate or automate it. 
I think automation is is the key thing here uh, in order to make sure that that you have the cadence to enable you to push out to, to production or deliver to production frequently. I think also that you need to also uh, make sure that you, you know, depending on the, the size of the suite of tests that you need to do in order to have confidence that it can be released, is to make sure that they are organized in such a way that you can actually get through those tests and also look at the results uh, to ensure that there aren't any major bugs going through it in order to achieve it. So it's, I think it's a constant uh, challenge for testers because you are potentially adding new features, adding new tests, and then assessing all the previous results constantly, uh, which is why the dashboard is is so important. So therefore, most of the tests, as long as they're relevant, you know, don't break it, but you can add feature functionalities. And, it, it, and it's making sure that you design your framework up front. And that's where the, you know, the, the pairing with developers. So therefore, it's understanding exactly what's happening within the system so that change can happen on both the development and also on the production side. So it does, oh, sorry, the testing side. So therefore, it doesn't break the system. And then it's also about changing that feedback loop from production as well, isn't it? And and understanding that there may be things that get through into production, but it's how quickly we then fix forward and, and retest yeah. and, and deploy. Yeah. Involve the customer could also be good to get feedback quickly and uh, include it in the loop. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just reading on the card again. So some companies deploy code every 10 seconds. That's just mind-blowing. Uh, it's not a goal in wow. itself, but consider what you could apply to improve the development of process. If you're de- de- releasing that often, I imagine you've got several things stacked up at the same time that you're knocking one thing into production at a time that have been tested and confirmed in some form through automation. I suspect the exploratory testing there would be a regular main part of the cadence but it's yeah you you must be using a risk-based approach to understand the quality of the releases yes yeah i think risk is definitely a factor in in that particular cadence of releasing um in order to be able to do that there must be a robust system in the background in order to do it but again that starts from this from the beginning you need to build that in and you know especially with comp it it depends. Uh, this is our classic sort of depends on the context. You know, you may be releasing every ten seconds, but if it's not a very complex system, then actually it probably doesn't matter quite so much. Whereas actually, if it's a banking system, then actually you need to put more rigorous checks in in order to make sure that you know security or you know the ability to lose money is not built into the to the releases, and so therefore the, that opportunity of releasing every ten seconds is probably not available in those sorts of systems. Yeah, I would I would totally agree. Good. Um, any other comments on that card? Uh, from my side, I'd like to involve and encourage the whole team to be aware of the pipeline and uh, how can we build it? Uh, and how can we also optimize the step? Maybe some steps could be in parallel so we can reduce our lead time. Uh, for that, um, I have uh, a recommendation. There is a pipeline cards where there are different steps. Maybe some of them, we didn't think about them before. Uh, so making a workshop related to it and involve the whole team, we can have a big picture and uh, a different perspective how to build that continuous delivery pipeline. I highly recommend it. 
Yes, absolutely. And and yeah, I agree that the pipeline cards are definitely a way to get you thinking. Especially the discussions yeah. uh, between the team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, good. Let's, uh, are we ready for our third and final spin? Fantastic. Okay. Yes. Yep. Let's do it. You're excited. All right. Very. I'm spinning the wheel. And it stopped on a pink card, which is heuristics. Claims. Can your product live up to the hype? Testing can support salespeople, which claims are true and which are overselling the product. The marketing campaign for your product might raise expectations way too high. Any experience on this within the stuff you've worked on? I think it's always a difficult one. Um, it's there needs to be sort of um, an understanding of what what the capabilities of the product are, um, and that they are not missold first, um, you know, or promised. Oh, you, they shouldn't. You shouldn't overpromise before it's actually been built or proven. Um, you know, I work for a product development company, and we're always looking at risks, and we try and um, mitigate those risks and look at innovations first to try and get rid of those risks um, to make sure that we can deliver what what we say we are able to deliver even if that's at the cutting edge so i think that you need to be able to also as a tester be able to be able to test and have confidence in it as quickly as possible um and it depends on the device i remember uh, an example where i was uh, trying to deliver a um a lock a security lock a connected lock and you know they they tried to cut down my testing time from two weeks to one week. And I said, hang on a second. No, that's not quite right because I need to have confidence that I actually will work in all scenarios. Um, so therefore, we need, again, it comes down to communication. We need to obviously set expectations as to to what actually happens. But if the hype, if, it, if it's already out there, then we need to do our best but again it's communication to go this is we're going to struggle to actually prove this within the time frame or or to you know with the functionality but that's again with the developers you know they they have to build the code but we have to prove whether it can actually deliver it as well yeah that's totally right and as david mentioned we have to set clear expectation and for that uh, from the previous project that I've been involved in. Uh, we as testers, we are also involved in uh, the UX meeting uh, where people, for example, if it's a mobile app and they are fixing the functionality, so being involved uh, from this designer perspective and see what they are expecting from the product can definitely help us as testers to know after releasing it if uh, those expectations are met or not. And uh, we as testers, we also deliver the status of the product to uh, the management side. So um, at that moment, we need to make clear um, result and um, communicate um, the status well, if it's really um, as expected or not. And probably at um, the end of uh, the release or the day of the delivery, we find a critical bug. At that moment, I think, 
it's not a big problem as we have a continuous delivery pipeline. We can fix it and maybe ask for one day more to deliver the expectation and to avoid that, um, 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 how can I say it, um, marketing side um, cannot say something that doesn't exist because we asked for one day more in order to make a match and to deliver the expected result from the client. One thing I would also add to that is that don't don't lose sight of the actual products itself. Don't get caught up with the hype and the new things and forget those regression tests. Forget, you know, don't forget those those the core functionality because if we concentrate too much on the on the new and shiny stuff that the customers are going to love, if the existing stuff doesn't actually work, then actually your reputation can certainly uh, be be burst. Yeah, and I, I would agree with that. I think uh, one example that comes to my mind is I worked for an enterprise um, a while ago uh, where sales seemed to have quite have quite a powerful role on defining features for products, um, and they would go out to to companies and organizations trying to sell the product and if the companies come back and went oh but we'll only buy it if you add this feature in yeah yeah fine it's in the next release fine sign the paperwork and then suddenly (laughs) oh by the way this next release is going out in three months um but they want this whole new feature well that's not in our on our roadmap at all we haven't got any scope of developing that or testing that within that time frame oh but we've told them it's going to be there now and they're only signing it because of that feature suddenly it's a "Mm, what do we do in this situation how do we how do we, and not just from a test perspective, from a product perspective, we're developing a solution that's that's going to be for every company, not just for one company. And then a very plucky salesman's gone out and and sold the product on the basis of a feature that doesn't exist yet. Um, and that's and that's happened. I've I've been in experience. I've experienced that a few times that we've then had to, as a team, work out. Okay, what can we do to get that feature in? What needs to be removed? Are there any other companies that wanted those other features that we then need to communicate those with who wins the battle of prioritization um, and that's where a good product manager or a product owner comes in and, and they they really earn their and their mustard at that point and, and yeah absolutely move forward from that point because another good example from from that or using that as an example is that you know a salesperson person can just go oh it's just a, just a small change <laughs> yeah. you know and you know it may only look a small change on on the, the on the ui but actually in the back end it's a massive change and you know yeah. and and actually you know what they've said can be delivered within a time frame might not be achievable at all and uh, again it's setting expectations so it's you know we've all been in companies where where things have been oversold uh, in that case but it's uh, thank goodness as testers we don't always need to deliver that that bad news back to the yeah. clients um but uh we do have to give the bad news to the bds or, or whatever to to say say they, that it's not achievable absolutely agree i'll also add that one time um, like the interface and the product manager said this is the last change and I will not add any other change. And just after a few weeks, he said that the client requests that we change the whole UI. So all icons, all title will change because we want to support, uh, to, to make our product uh, great and support the trend. So change everything. And at that moment, we as testers, every our, our tests need a lot of refactoring and nothing works. <laughs> 
So uh, this could uh, happen and uh, can cause a lot of regression if we don't handle it well. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where I guess the impact analysis from a test perspective comes in. And, and once these features have been suggested, exactly. we can say, well, hang on a minute, like like David said as well, you know, is it, it's a small change for you or it's a, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the point that you're going to be happy to buy the product as if we do this, but actually on the back end or in, in our, in our test system, this is, this is a huge amount of work. Um, we're going to have to refactor yeah. everything. Our automation is not going to run, et cetera, et cetera. And if you want this out in three months, then pfft, Good luck. It's not going to happen. Absolutely. We need more time. Yeah. Because yeah. actually sometimes they underestimate the amount of work for test. Exactly. Yeah. This is the point I faced. It's another one of those frustrations where testing, the value of testing isn't really understood um, on a wider scale. Um, and it's, it's, yeah, it's again, that education piece of the importance and the value of, of good testing alongside the, oh, we're just going to develop the features. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. That crusade's going to go on forever, I feel. All right. No well, um, thank you for, for your conversations. Um, Emna, did you have anything you wish to plug and how could people get in touch with you? Um, well, first of all, thank you again for uh, having me today. Um, you can find me on uh, my blog, emnaayadi.com or uh, Twitter emna underscore underscore IAD or LinkedIn. Um, I, I enjoyed t- sharing the tester story in my blog where I interview some testers in different roles and uh, we, we pair together to make this uh, co-authored uh, blogs. I um, invite you to take a look if you want. And also um, early in this year, we, me and uh, Art Kramer, we released the book 21st Century Skills for Testers. I invite you to download it uh, via LeanPub. It's about uh, um, testing stories and idea collected from different testers around the world with our thoughts regarding the 4C. I let you discover them. Yeah, I have to agree. That's a great read, Emna, and I enjoyed being part of that as well. So thank you for including my my snippets in the book. Uh, <laughs> thank you for being part of it. David, did you have anything to plug? How could people contact you? Yeah, you can contact me uh, obviously via LinkedIn uh, or I'm on Twitter at, as Cambridge Test UK. Um, also, I'm part of the Testing Peers podcast, uh, which you can find us on various channels. Uh, and please do listen to us. I think we're up to 36 episodes now over a year and a bit. Um, and also at Cambridge Consultants, we are hiring. So um, please do look for us on the website. Um, and um, yeah, we're looking for all levels of testers because we're incredibly busy at the moment and increasing the size of the group good and a great chance to work with a very inspiring leader david so uh, I'll, i will plug i will plug <laughs> that in the uh, the show notes as well um, and they can reach out to you on Thank linkedin you. Um, if they wish to talk with you further excellent uh, well thank you both of you it's been a very enjoyable discussion um i've i've certainly learned more about you two and about the, the, the testing thoughts over the cards we've discussed so thank you for that um and thank you all for listening and we look forward to seeing you all for some more roulette again soon thank you to the guests and thank you for listening for more information on testphere check out riskstormingonline.com or buy the card decks from the ministry of testing store music courtesy of zapsflat.com we'll see you for more roulette again soon